Hey, Regeru, how you doing, sir? All set? Feeling good? Ah, sub sandwiches are back. Have you been tempted by the the Subway commercials that have all these new? I guess they have a new bread. I just saw a commercial the other day. They have a new bread. Is that what tempted you or just habit or appetite? Probably a little of both. All right, my friend. Well, it's good to see you back in the saddle with your usual Subway or submarine sandwich. I was beginning to worry. I'm like, what, what, what's going on here? I thought you were having some mental breakdown, changing old habits. Anyway, you ready to go? I am. All right, put it in the board. Put it in the book. Episode three sixty seven. Keep those levels where they are, where they are, and uh, I'll give you the three S's in the countdown to give you the music, and I'll give you podcast number three sixty seven. How about that? If it's good for you. It's good for me. Okay, ready? Here we go. Star, smile, strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Pod Tested. Oh boy. Well, yeah, we got to do it again. Ready? Three, two, wait. <coughs> mm. Got to clear the instrument. Okay, ready? Here we go. <laughs> Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there, where we should be, just waiting for you to listen. But we're also waiting for you to get out there and do a little more, get, get some elbow grease going. It's summer. The weather is warm. It's sunny. Get out there. Hit the streets. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell anybody that you know that listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs, too. That loyalty, that elbow grease, much appreciated. If you like what you hear, don't forget you go to WGNRadio.com. You hit the prompt for the podcast. Then you hit the prompt for this specific podcast. And my goodness, like taking your finger out of a dike, <laughs> they will come spewing out podcast after podcast after podcast. The dam will have broken. Just keep scrolling down and you'll see podcast after podcast after podcast of interesting, informative, and sometimes silly topics, but they're all interesting, all worth hearing, just like this one will be, which will be podcast number 367. So, it is not officially summer yet, although it is, as I've talked to you many times, uh, as I say before, please go back, listen to previous podcasts so you can get a sense of what we've talked about here, because I often will refer to other things. Long-time fans, now going back seven years, thank you for that loyalty. But, hey, if you haven't been here from the day one, you need to go back. If you're a newbie, if you're a recent, 
Elton Jim convert, thank you. Welcome aboard. But get back there and start listening. You've got homework to do. Young man, young lady, you've got some. Have you finished your homework? Have you listened to all your Elton Jim uh, past podcasts? Have you? Because there will be a test. <laughs> but I've said many times, um, when you know, there's the the summer, the the official begin of beginning of summer, and then the the technical. And you know, once again, when you think about all this official, whenever you hear the word official, think about it. What's official? Who's official? <laughs> Who has the right to designate? Official, really? This whole thing, this whole thing is a uh, everything. We, our time, our our calendar, everything. It's all man made, and yet we're always oh, you know. It's a it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, we feel that there's some some higher authority that created all this, and we've got to um, to fit within it. The structure of our lifestyle and our lives and our culture. But really we've dis- we, de- we, we have, we've developed all this. We developed the calendar. We developed time. We base it on something, but wh- why, why did it, why, for instance, age, why did we have to base our age on the time it takes the earth to go around the sun? Right? I mean, that's what it is. Now, you know, on Facebook, you see this all the time now because people are trying to be really cool and clever. It's like, congratulations on another revolution, a revolution around the sun. Because that's what it is, right? It's been a year since the, when your date of birth that the sun went around the moon. Or, I mean, it went around, the, the, the earth went around the sun. So, uh, congratulations on another revolution around the sun so we determined these numbers of age right we could have found some other constant and based age upon that and we might have been we might have lived to be 2 years old or we might have lived to be 2 million years old but we based our age and our life on the earth based on the revolution of the earth around the sun. Don't forget, this is from like grammar school astronomy. Rotate means the earth spinning. Revolving means the earth going around the sun. Two R words, so don't get them mixed up. Rotate is the earth on its axis. Revolve is around the sun. But we that's what we based it on. For whatever reason, thousands, tens, who knows? There's questions of whether it was very interesting. Um, you know, we talk about AI now. Everybody with the AI. You remember there? You know, talk about Stanley Stanley Kubrick, one of the greatest uh, film directors of all time, Shining, and uh, you know, 
2001, Space Odyssey. So many groundbreaking films. And if you remember, about 25, 30 years ago, there was a film that Steven Spielberg, I think he may have finished writing, or perhaps not, but just directed because Stanley Kubrick passed away. But I guess Stanley Kubrick had been working on a script called AI, artificial intelligence. Does anybody remember that? No, I mean, all this AI talk in the last year, certainly in the last several months, and I haven't, I haven't heard anybody mention the film AI from 20 years ago. It wasn't a big hit. Um, it was about the creation of an, an artificial intelligent boy. Um, but that term and the implications of it were there, and now they're here. And Stanley Kubrick, obviously, he hung around with a lot of visionary people. That's how he came to direct 2001 A Space Odyssey. Don't forget, 2001 A Space Odyssey came out in the, uh, in the late 60s. 2000 seemed like a million years away. And now we're 23 years past the year 2000. <laughs> At least 22 years past the year 2001. My gosh. So he was obviously talking to a lot of and hanging out with a lot of forward-thinking visionary scientists, astronomers, and, uh, and this term, tech people, whatever tech was back then, uh, and this term, artificial intelligence, is not new. And it's the fears of it and the implications of it are clearly not new. That's what this film that Kubrick uh, wrote uh, was never, didn't live long enough to direct, was about. And Steven Spielberg was a friend of Stanley Kubrick's and got the okay from his, his wife at the time and his estate, and he directed AI. I don't know if it was exact. They had to fill in some ending. I don't know if he finished the script or not. And it wasn't a big hit, but it did signal the first warning shots and the first concerns about this futuristic technology called artificial intelligence. And here we are today. It's already in play, and we don't know what its long-term consequences may be. People that are in the know seem to be very concerned, which should make us concerned. Because if the people that are in the know, the people that truly understand the far-reaching effects of AI, if they're concerned, then we should be concerned. Because they know the nuts and bolts. And we've already made a huge, huge mistake in understanding the long-term implications of technology in our lifetime already, once, at least once. Huge, huge miscalculation on our part with the Internet. We already were 0 for 1. We did not regulate at all the Internet. We let it just be. We let technology and tech heads 
just decide what would be what would happen and we with no regulation with no sense of long-term implications for for individuals or the for society as in general and here we are today and technology has run amok it has affected our culture it has affected our behavior and not in positive ways certainly there are, are there are advantages of the the tech boom of the mid 90s and the internet explosion of the of the of the mid 90s and, and early 2000s but here we are 25 almost 30 years later and social media has become a very dangerous outgrowth of that and the genie's out of the bottle and we can and and, and we can't put it back in and we've seen the destruction it can have and I've talked about this before a lot of technology looks great on a whiteboard when it's being discovered and when it's being developed. And everything about it is always positive. It will do this for us. It will do that for us. It's always the positive spin, the, the positive spell but or sell. But it doesn't tell us how negative it can be and the dark side it can be, especially when humans get involved in it. So hopefully... What I'm grateful for is we let the internet, you know, the internet, when it exploded in the 90s, if you were around, you remember, I mean, you know, the stock market went crazy and uh, the economy was boosted and no one wanted to pop the bubble. Nobody wanted to be the devil's advocate. Nobody wanted to say, where is this going and, and, and can we, you know, should we, shouldn't we put some regulation on this? No, no, no one wanted to stop that train. That train was 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 um, providing way too many positives for anybody to want to talk about the negatives. It was providing revenue for individuals. People's uh, it was creating new jobs. It was creating new industries. People were getting uh, you know uh, you know higher salaries. They were getting stock options. Some people were becoming instant millionaires overnight. The uh, the government. The coffers were getting filled with tax revenues from businesses and people making more money. People forget, but when 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 Bill Clinton left office, not that he did anything amazing with the economy, you know, presidents get blamed for bad economies and they get patted on the back for good economies. And the presidents in many cases don't have all that much influence on it. They pretend they do when things are going good. And then they remind you that they really don't when things are going bad. But the economy was booming so much. We had a surplus. Do you understand that? The government of the United States, which spends money and prints money like no one's business, did so well in the 90s, the economy was booming so much that our government had a surplus of money. Do you know what we have now? We have trillions, trillions in debt. We, we, have, we have debt that we can't even possibly think about ever paying back. As I said before about all these constructs, we've made them all. They're all man-made. And sometimes we adhere very strongly to their regulations. 
And then most of the times we don't. For instance, if you work in any job or you watch the news and they say, well, okay, our budget this year is only is up to here. So we are going to have to make cuts and we can't spend because we can't go over this line. This is the government, I'm saying. Then there's a war. And all the budgets go out the window, whatever it takes. Or there's a a natural tragedy, natural disaster, earthquake, flood, maybe several of them in a row. We send aid. Maybe the budget for the Department of the Interior or the Department of Transportation, whoever covers some of these things, their budget is only X, but now they have five catastrophic disasters where citizens are, are, have no food and no electricity, and so they have to spend money for shelters and, 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 and food and things like that. They don't say, well, we can't do that. We're, we're already up with our budget, so let the people die. No, we just spend it. We spend what we don't have, and then we borrow it, and that's what this debt ceiling thing was about. Still hanging around to some extent. So it's interesting how we can prioritize uh, our budgets and when we are conscientious and when we're not. But we had a surplus, and that was driven by the tech boom. And then, of course, as all booms experience, once again, learn from history, the tech boom, the bubble exploded, and the economy shrank, and... And for a good part of the, two th- the early 2000s, we were in a, a recession. And then we had the real estate crash in 2008, which didn't help things either. But at that time, we had a surplus. That's how much the tech explosion of the 90s, this country, we didn't even know. When, when George Bush took office... We had a surplus of money, and they were in, for that first year before 9-11, George Bush was present for about nine months, obviously, right? For nine months and 11 days. <laughs> well, probably less than that because the, the inauguration is usually on January 20th, so he was in less than nine months, but almost. But there were already hearings going on with the Senate and the House of Representatives of, okay, what? What are we going to do with all this money? The first, for the, one of the few times in, in American history, we were always indebted to other countries. We, we, we weren't even a country. We were a small band of rebels that somehow beat a apathetic uh, world leader like England, who didn't, who at the end of the day, really didn't care too much and left their eye off the ball. They didn't see the importance of the American land that they had under their control. And they were across the pond, far away. It was too hard to really exert its control. And ultimately, there really was apathy. And they just, you know, it's, it's unheard of when you think about it, that a small little group of rebels could eat at that time one of the biggest world powers 
It's almost similar right now to Ukraine and Russia, although I don't know how really strong Russia is. At that, at that time, you know, in the 1770s, England really was a, a huge, huge megapower. Uh, Russia is, by definition, I don't know if they are by, uh, by actuality, a, a real world power. We're seeing that there's a lot of, it's always been smoke and mirrors. But... Uh, but yeah, we had a surplus. We were we we didn't know what to do with so we had we had so much money. I can't remember the exact number, but we had hundreds of millions of dollars, like a lot, like a, not just a hundred million, but a lot of things that we really could make some positive effects and a positive, uh, perhaps change. With, with programs and infrastructure, anything. We had, a, we had a lot of money that the 90s brought in, that technology brought in. We had a surplus. We had no deficit. It's unbelievable. And it was wiped out pretty much overnight. By September 12th, we didn't have that surplus anymore. And that might be an exaggeration, but certainly once 9-11 happened, we went into war mode and we, we spent every dollar and we had, and it was gone in months, if not days, as we geared up for revenge. And it was gone and it's been gone ever since. And we've been spending more than we've had now for 23 years, 22 years. And that's why we're in this position that we're in. But nobody wanted it, 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 the the tech boom was so lucrative and so positive in many ways uh, at the at its beginning that nobody wanted to pop the bubble. Nobody wanted to to be the voice in the wilderness saying, "We know we need to put the brakes on this thing." You know the way human nature is. Human nature never stops. When it's ahead, it always seems to keep going and want more, right? That's what Vegas is based on. <laughs> if, you ever wanna, if you ever want a quick lesson in human nature and how people act, just look at Las Vegas. It's a city based on gambling. And if you look around, the people that run the gambling are way ahead of the people who do gamble. There are billion now now we're into the billions. Billion dollar resorts and casinos and structures. I don't know if you've read uh it's supposed to open this fall a new huge uh futuristic cutting edge state of the art built specifically for music venue called the Sphere in Vegas near the Venetian. Madison Square Garden Company began this project. It's probably at this point, you know, uh, it was supposed to be a billion dollar thing. It's, it's, over, it's almost two or three billion when all is done. In Vegas, they're going to build, I mean, they're, they're, they're knocking down old, places hard rock cafe is a company the hard rock company knocking down the mirage rebuilding 
You know, they're big into hotels and casinos in Vegas. If you ever want a quick reminder of how people act, go to just look at Vegas. Don't have to go there. Just look at it. That city would not be able to be built with all that extravagance and all that luxury if it didn't have money coming in from losing gamblers. The house is way ahead in the history of Las Vegas. Painfully ahead. I don't care how many stories you hear from your friends. How they did well at Vegas. You never know. If they go to Vegas on a regular uh, basis, you never hear about the losses, right? You always say, oh, I hit it big. I hit this. I hit that. And then the other times when they, oh, I went to Vegas. How was it? Oh, it was good. (laughs) Don't hear any uh, big war stories about how they beat the craps table or beat the slot machines or beat the blackjack dealer. Nobody's beating the house. Yes, there's no question. There are isolated moments when people will win a lot of money. But most of the time, those people that win those uh, exorbitant amounts, they're regular gamblers, and they're going to keep going back to Vegas, and ultimately, whether Vegas does it in one day or in one year or in 10 years, they will not only make that money back, but they will take more from the person. You cannot have those amount of structures, multi-billion dollar structures, being built constantly in Vegas without a lot of money that comes from the pockets of those people that are losing at the gambling tables. Everybody's got a system. Everybody does. Oh, I stopped. Okay, you know what? Fine. If you want to believe that, that's fine. But your system doesn't always work. <laughs> and once again, I'm not I'm not judging one way or the other. I'm not a gambler, so it doesn't matter to me. But if you, my point is, we don't stop. We gorge. It's in our DNA. It's the ways our body is made up. Our bodies, our metabolism is made up to say, you know what? Oh, I've got food now. I better eat it, and I better eat a lot of it because I don't know where my next meal's coming from. Now, that doesn't exist for the majority of us in the world, thankfully, but there are some people that still does. But that's the way our DNA is. is so we are, we are gorgers. We will not stop, and that's what's going on with technology. It's all part of the same genetic code. It's always advancing. We let the internet go crazy. We had very few regulations on it because nobody wanted to stop that engine because it was too profitable. Now, 23 years later, we've seen, and more than that, we've seen the damage that it's done with, with, with outgrowths from it. Nobody initially saw the growth of social media. The internet was a really cool, quick way to send your friend a message initially. Wow, look at that. It's an email. How fun. In our small minds, the average person said, well, this is cool. Meanwhile, the tech heads were saying, okay, what else can we do with this? 
And boom, 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 there were new sites and new and Amazons, and now you could shop doing that. Wait, shop? I was, just sending, I was just sending a message to my grandma saying, how are you? I am fine. You know, it was a new, it was a new sort of telegram that <laughs> got there faster than a day, got there in seconds. That's what the Internet initially was. Then suddenly, whoa, you know, I, what, I could shop on this? Oh, well, that's cool. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy a book, see what happens. <laughs> Fifteen years later, Sears is out of business. <laughs> Marshall Fields is out of business. Some of the, the longest and most successful retailers in the history of this country, gone within 10 years. That's how fast the internet worked. Wiped out... Businesses around for hundreds of years, for decades. Within five or six years, it was clear what was going to happen. But it was generating money, so we didn't stop it. And then the iPhone came in and changed everything to another extent. And then you had social media. And so now we're sitting there going, how do we, how do we corral this beast? It's impossible. So I hope with artificial intelligence which does have some very serious implications. While it is still programmed by people, just as all technology is, this technology has the ability to go past that and, it, and, and, and very closely mimic those who are programming it, which can only then lead to a logical conclusion, perhaps, is that will there be a time when it can bypass the person programming it? And that's the big fear. And those in the know, as I said before, seem to think that that is possible. So... We better be careful on this one. We better, we better start to put some regulatory uh, constructs in place for the present and especially the future. Because it's not, ju- don't forget, folks, it's not just us. It's not just the United States that's involved in this. There's other countries that would love to be able to have the technological expertise that we have and they are and they and they will get it eventually so better that we that while we are leading in it now why let's make sure that we put in the safeguards and everything is hackable i understand that but let's make sure that other people or other countries that maybe don't have as much of a optimistic or positive view of how to use this might get access to it. That's the fear. It's not that's this 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 is it has huge implications and we're we're I don't think we're really taking a, a huge or a realistic view of it, but I think we we, we should start to because it's there. We might be opening up a, a, a Pandora's box here that 
we will, we will ultimately not be able to take control of. We could, we could see what the internet has grown into in the last 30 years. Look at what's been going on here with TikTok, right? It's owned by a Chinese company, and, and people in the United States are, are concerned that uh, with so many American users that one somewhere down the line, the Chinese government is using the TikTok information, the data that we all supply, whether we know it or not, whenever we go onto a website, that is China using that? Can they find? Can they use that to their advantage over the United States? They've already declared they want to be the most powerful country in the world. That, that, that's, that's a manifesto that is that's not doubted. I don't think when we first thought about sending an email to Grandma thirty-five years ago that we thought that that little technology with your little dot com at the end could have global implications for a country taking over another one or taking over dominance. Did you? I don't think so. I just thought it was kind of cool to send a little message to somebody. thought it was kind of cool to hit a button and, and order a book. Now, while all Americans are going on TikTok and, and dancing poorly, I might add, or showing their animals doing something, or once again, the the good old standby, dad playing wiffle ball with his son and getting the ball uh, hitting into his groin area and him toppling over. That's always fun. While we're, where, where we think we're having this, you know, it's basically America's home video now around the world. That's why, you know, Bob Saget, you know, is, is, is might be responsible for this too, <laughs> the late Bob Saget. Uh, sorry, Bob, but you know that show of yours wasn't all harmless. <laughs> but basically, what's t- what is TikTok? Right, TikTok has basically become a global America's favorite home videos, and we've got influencers now. We've got twenty, you know, we got fourteen-year-old influencers who are. You know, uh, buying new outfits and buying and giving us makeup tips, and they're becoming influencers. That's a real job now. That's a real career. Influencer. Colleges are literally deciding whether they need to start to offer courses in how to become an influencer. And you say, well, that's that's a practical. Um, that's a practical move, Jim. I mean, that is a job for many people. It is a career for many people, right? Some people are, are doing well at that. But what really is it? As I said to you before about Americans, gore, not Americans, humans, gorging. I mean, let's be honest. I don't. If you look in that deep, dark, truthful mirror at yourself, you know. You try to do the best you can, but, you know, you're flawed. I'm flawed. We're all flawed. And we, we always don't make the right mistakes. We might, we might have good intentions, but we sometimes don't. So my point is, 
if you're going to offer a college class on how to become an influencer, right, or what to do, like what, how you set yourself up to be, I mean, I don't even know what the components of this would be because it's all based on personality. A lot of it's based on just pure looks, which is, once again, in our D- DNA code. I, I love the way, I mean, basically, there's all these new innovations that are in the world and we're all baffled by them and they all come down to the same thing that they've always come down to. They just have different names and just have different delivery systems. But an influencer today, for the most part, if you look at the most of our influencers, they're mostly young, pretty girls. Well, I wonder where we've seen that before. And that's not a sexist remark. Just go on TikTok. Tell me, when you see a story about influencers, I just saw one in Rolling Stone, top 20 influencers, they're all young women, and they're all very attractive. It's human nature. That's why we still have the Sports Illustrated swimsuit. This isn't about being, oh, well, you're old. No, this, I'm just being honest here. It's the same, the same adage from f- the 50s, sex sells. Always has. We try to mask it. We try to act like we've evolved, but we really haven't. I've said this many times. Why do you think Shakespeare plays are so relevant 500 years later? Because Shakespeare plays, even though they were set in a different time with different actors or people, they dealt with human emotions. They dealt with human emotions behavior and while our language has changed in 500 years and our dress has changed in 500 years and many of our ideas have changed in many years in over 500 years our behavior hasn't changed at all shakespeare is about jealousy and love and fear and fear of death And grasping for power. (sighs) Hello? (laughs) What's the 21st century about? What's mankind been about? So my question is here, uh, if you're you're a college and you're going to, you know, we've got to, you know, a lot of our our students are really involved in, you know, interested in becoming influencers. Okay, fine. So we're going to have some courses now to help them set up their brand. Okay, what are your credentials? What is your training to become an influencer? Hmm? Do you have to go to law school for three years? Do you have to go to medical school for eight? Do you have to study? What, 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 what is the... Um, what is the licensing? What is the what is the the prerequisite? The the training to become an influencer. Nothing. Why do you think so many people want? So, why do you think so many young people want to be influencers? It's not just the money or the cool things that they get that sponsors send them on trips to the Super Bowl, or they get to, to wear cool clothes because some 
company sees that they've got X amount of viewers or, you know, this many people follow them. So they're influence. I mean, what, 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 you know, what I said to you before about official, remember I talked about that? Like what's official? Who's deeming official? Well, what, what makes a, a person an official influencer? Is it how many, how many followers is it? Is it a billion? Is it a million? Is it 500,000? I don't know. There's no official, there's, there's, there's just a sense of, well, this person has it. This person, we all, oh, you know, if, if we're, we're, we're a company, oh, this person, a lot of people follow them. Look at all their, look at all their followers. Let's send them free stuff and they'll talk about our stuff. Let's send them on a trip and, you know, put them in our suite at the Super Bowl and they'll talk about what we ate and they, what they ate or what they drank. Influencer, influencer. There's no, requirement these people are just being themselves are basically a young person a young woman is telling fellow their peer group well here's what the makeup i use and here's how i do my eyes or here i mean i mean i'm I, i'm sure if you aren't aware if you go on tiktok tiktok or tiktok or other of these um of these platforms basically now we have young women who videotape themselves getting dressed to go out? I think it's called dress with me or something, or, or I, I don't know something. But we're basically—that's where we're at now. And those people are influencers. They get dressed, they get ready. We're watching them get ready to go out. And you could be just like me. You could look just as cute as me, and you'd be just as popular as me if you wear these pants, if you wear this this top, if you put on this makeup. I mean, it's 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 all advertising, right? The only difference is that before, the advertising for all these products was on television. Now, it's in our pockets. That's what I said before about the iPhone. It changed everything. You don't even understand. If you don't understand that by now, I don't know what, what, what's, what's keeping you. The power that we have in our hands, we just we take it for granted. But, but believe me, the advertisers and the powers that be, they understand the power and the implication of what we have, and they want it, the information, the data. We are walking data. That's what we are to companies now. So my point is, if, a, if, if, if now a career, a, a, a career goal, and once again, I'm not, I'm not judging this because oh, a lot of these 20-year-olds or 15-year-olds are having a lot more success in their careers than I am right now. <laughs> no question. Nobody's sending me to the Super Bowl so I can videotape going there on a private jet. Nobody's, nobody's sending me free stuff to wear and put on. I'm not monetizing my day like they are. So I'm not judging. Hey, if that's a career, if our society has moved into a point where, where being yourself is a career, then it's a career, right? What's, as I said before, this is all man-made anyway. We, we created this construct here. We created this, this society. If that's where the rewards are, then that's the rewards are. You, we can debate the, the, um, the value of it. I don't think there's much value to it, but hey. 
It's about how many Doritos you sell. So my question is, if a college is going to offer, for instance, courses on being an influencer, what, and don't forget, people when they start college, right, are 18 years old. Even when they're graduating now at 22 or 23, they're still kind of stunted in their development. A 22-year-old and 23-year-old in 2023 is not the same as a 23-year-old in the 50s or 60s or 70s in terms of maturity levels. Just aren't. Whole different world, whole different upbringing. But if you're 18, you're just out of high school, you're still a kid in many ways. I mean, don't forget, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, an 18-year-old was already out in the workforce and, and starting a family. That was reality. 18-year-olds today, they can't wait to go on some trip to, to, to Europe in the next year and study abroad and have fun and go on spring break. Completely different world. So my thing is, if you're going to have courses in how to be an influencer and offer that to an 18-year-old kid, who isn't going to take that class? Because the training involved, the effort involved, the hard work involved to become that is nothing. Is being yourself. If you want to go to to law school, you have to study for three years, pretty intensive. I know I went for one year. It was too too intense for me. It wasn't my thing, but I I did try it. But it's intense. It takes over your whole life. I have have great respect. I I, I have great respect for those that go through that kind of intensive schooling because I know what's involved. I could speak from, from experience. It's a marathon. You gotta you gotta be focused and committed to it. Because it, it is all encompassing while you're training for it. And it's not easy. And it and it it's physically difficult, it's emotionally difficult. Hopefully it's something you really want to do. For whatever reason, whether it's monetary, whether it's a passion. But you got to have that. But it takes effort. It takes sacrifice. Medical school, eight years. And it, when you get done, there's life and death implications every day. You know, there's been a lot of debate about oh you know especially during covid everybody was oh doctors this doctors that and everybody i have the utmost respect for doctors every day every patient think about it you go to a doctor's office 
and you're waiting for an hour, right? Well, what does that mean? Yes, they've overbooked. <laughs> they've triple booked. Yes, they have. But also it means there's a lot of people coming in there to see these doctors, specialists, general practitioners, whatever it is. And every person that they see, maybe they see, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what a doctor, how many patients are, a doctor in their office sees on a daily basis. I would assume if they're there from from eight to five, that's eight hours. Um, I don't know. Do they say 50 patients? Do they see 100 patients? I don't know. I don't know. It depends. A lot of doctors, some doctors take more time with you, some don't. I don't know. But let's say they see 100 people a day. Well, it might be maybe. Let's say they see 50. Let's just say they see 50 a day. And maybe they do say 100. Maybe they see 200. I don't know. But let's just say they see 50. That's 50 opportunities. Because someone's coming to the doctor. For the most part, there's, there's something that they're concerned about. Sometimes it's, yes, I understand. Sometimes it's just a checkup. Fine. But a lot of times there's some pain involved. There's some abnormality involved. The doctor has to treat it in some way. So 50 times a day, the doctor is treating something. 50 individual decisions that they have to make. And everybody's different and everybody's different. And if one, if they make one mistake in those treatments, they open themselves to a malpractice suit which could be millions of dollars, right? And depending how serious it is, they could maybe even lose their license. So every day, every time they walk into the examining room, in theory, they're opening themselves up to a malpractice suit, right? In theory, So that's why their training has to be so exhaustive and so intense. Because people's lives are at stake, right? I I, want to feel better. I want to live. So not only are are they helping people with life and death decisions, but then on a personal level, they're also opening themselves up to possible incriminations if they make a mistake. There's a huge, huge amount of pressure and responsibility on that job. So yeah, that training better be exhaustive. So I don't begrudge people that are doctors. I really have a lot of respect for them. It's a pretty important job, and and it's an amazing responsibility to take voluntarily, right? Nobody's forcing anybody to be a doctor. But an influencer? What is that? Law school, and as I say from personal experience, law school is tough for a reason, Medical school is tough for a reason. Not only is it an exhaustive, as I said before, both of these, but it's also meant to weed out those who are not right for it. And I, I'm, I was one of them. 
I'm glad I went to law school. I'm not glad that I didn't continue because it really would not have been a good choice for me in the long term. But I'm glad I went. I'm glad I realized it wasn't. And I have I learned a lot from it. I've taken something from it with me. But it but it was the first year especially is is difficult for a reason. They're trying to weed out the people that just go, well, maybe I'll try this. And I went in, believe me, I went in with every expectation to to finish and become a lawyer. I didn't just do it on a whim. But soon into it, I realized this really wasn't my cup of tea. Now, could I have finished it? Yes. I could have. I don't know if I ever would have practiced law. It certainly doesn't hurt to have a law degree in your, in your background. But it just wasn't my thing. But my point is, it was there to weed people out. To make sure that those that do get to that point are proficient are dedicated, are good at what they do. But an influencer, you're basically telling someone, I mean, you know, whether it's an accounting degree, every degree in college, every kind of thing needs some kind of training and expertise. But colleges, if they're going to offer influencer degrees, what's your major? Influencer. You're basically telling someone to be yourself or to be an exaggerated version of yourself, which is even more because it's deceptive. So in other words, I could just wake up in the morning. If you talk to any of these influencers, these young people that are influencers that, that do have, that are making money, are creating a brand and do have millions of followers, once again, more power to them. I... I question the the importance or the value of it, but our society right now is valuing it. Whether that's right or wrong, that's another discussion. But if you talk to them, or if you hear them interviewed, they're they're just going about their lives. I wake up at noon. I I, I create some content. <laughs> I create some content. Then I go to lunch, and then I come back and maybe create a little more content, and then I'm done. And that content they're creating is getting dressed. Something that you and I uh, take for granted as a necessary evil when we're out really to do our jobs. That's their job. I'm getting dressed today. I'm going to wake up today. I'm going to go to the beach today. <laughs> I'm going to take the bus today. I'm going to go to a restaurant and have lunch today. Who wouldn't want that job? If that's a profession, a viable profession, once again, we can, we can question it 
the value to our society. But if it is a value, if that is a viable profession in the future, as it is showing to be, who wouldn't want that job? It isn't a job. It's taking a phone and pointing it at yourself and saying, oh, I'm going to put this shirt on today and I'm going to comb my hair a certain way and I'm going to go to a lunch with my friends and oh, we're going to get on a private jet and we're going to fly to the Super Bowl or we're going to fly to some, uh, we're going to go to Coachella and we're going to party and, hear, and, and come with me. If that's what, if, if colleges are going to start to provide influencer courses in the ultimate endgame of, of, of creating influencers to enter the profession of influencers, then I don't know how anyone's going to take any other course. <laughs> Because they might be giving you the structure. Okay, so if you're going to be an influencer, uh, you know you should put the, all together these this is the, the back end of it. Okay, you need to to have a computer and you need to build this um, brand. And here's some ways. To, you know, basically what we're basically be doing, I would assume, the influencer major, if there was a major in influence, and don't don't think this is crazy. Because I guarantee you within five years, you will hear more about this. It's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. So I guarantee you that basically what's happening is that before, when you took marketing, that, that's, that's a major, right, in college, um, marketing. Okay, marketing. Advertising and marketing, okay. Well, before the curriculum the syllabus in your marketing class was how do you take a product and market it to the masses? I would assume that what we're, if, and if they're not already out there, what they're going to be is that they're basically going to just take those same marketing classes and instead of saying, oh, okay, how do you market this potato chip? How do you market this hamburger? How do you market this car? They're just going to bring a mirror to class. If I was, a, if I was the influencer teacher, I would bring a mirror to class on the first day. And I would tell everybody to stand up in a line and look into the mirror and then go sit down. And after everybody walked up to the front of the class and looked at themselves in the mirror and then sat down, I would say, okay, you have just gotten the first look at your product. And we're here in this course to make sure or to help you find a way to market that image that you saw in the mirror. Because that's what you're selling. You're selling yourself. In fact, what I would do, actually, in the first day of school, I would have a mirror, and then I would have a picture. I'm devising this in my mind right now. <laughs> the funny thing is, this is probably going to wind up being, you know, the way they do this. Someone's going to hear this, and they're going to start a class on it. And once again, I'll give away a great million-dollar idea, which I thought of, and didn't market. <laughs> Talk about marketing, right? I have, a, I have a mirror and I have a picture. They take a picture. 
and you look in the mirror and that is your product. It's you. How are we going to market you to be an influencer? What are we going to, how are we going to make you desirable to the masses that they will want to follow you, that they will want to listen to your advice? They will want to follow your example. How will you become an influencer? And I would take a picture of them on the first day of class. And on the final day of class, I would bring those pictures out. And I would say, okay, now we've done a semester of influencing. Have you incorporated any of the things that we talked about how to market a product? Because here's the picture of you three or four months ago. Are you the same person that you were three or four months ago when you didn't have this knowledge of how to market yourself? Do you look the same? Are you dressed the same? Are you acting the same? Are you doing something different? Basically, when you're an influencer, you're marketing yourself. But I would think that the training for that is pretty easy. Now you say, well, Jim, if, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Well, once again, I think there's something to be said for, sadly, in our, in our cosmetic world, you know, if you're a good-looking person, man or woman, it's going to be easier for you to be an influencer. And, and what is it? It's the same thing. Why is one actor a movie star and another one isn't? Why does one actor that has a ton of talent not the movie star and the other one that doesn't, they have it. And it is, indefin- is undefinable. And so I, my, my fear is that the, the lure of being an influencer is so great if you go to college or they start to sell or they start to have, because why, why do you need to go to college for that? I mean, why wouldn't there just be classes, influencer classes? For all I know, there are. I don't even know. There might be seminars out there, how to be an influencer. There probably are. I don't know. But my fear is if kids are, are going to go to college for four years to be an influencer, it's very I mean, hey, look, every career is risky. Don't get me wrong. But I hope that after four years you would come out of college with some sense of, of education, of, of educating yourself on a variety of things to help you later in your life as opposed to just focusing on your external or your personal likes. Well, I'm going to become the hamburger influencer. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know where we're going with this, but I know that it's a it's an interesting at the very least it's an interesting kind of sociological uh study here the more that we have technology that focuses on ourselves as opposed to focusing on the the greater good 
um, we're going to be going down a very certain path here. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I'm, I'm just telling you that, that we're talking about AI and we're talking about other kinds of technologies and behaviors. And it seems like most things are centered on ourselves today rather than on the bigger picture. And uh, I just hope moving forward that we start to see the error of our ways in the past so that we don't continue them in the future in terms of letting technology. I mean, for instance, they're talking about, you know, TikTok, you know, getting rid of it. Something in Montana, I think, just voted it out. There's 150 million users in the United States, I believe. That's half the country. How can you, how, how are you going to how are you going to outlaw that? 150 half of the country in theory use this and enjoy it. How are you possibly going to outlaw that on a on a large scale? As I said before, the tech beast is out of the bottle. It's unmanageable. The internet beast we we that 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 is. That's out. We have to try to handle it and contain it, but we cannot tame it. It's that, that, that's over with. We, we, we blew our chance. We had our chance, and we let greed, use, as, as usually is the case, greed overtook rational thought, and it always does, just like Las Vegas. <laughs> Rationally, you would not go to a crap table or a blackjack table or a slot machine if you thought about it because you know that you're not going to win. The odds are not in your favor. But the, the excitement and the greed aspect overcomes your rational thought, even though there's no rational reason, there's no normal reason for you to think that you're going to beat that, that game. You're going to beat the house on a regular basis because you're not. That's why there's so many big buildings in Las Vegas. Because a lot of people are losing <laughs> every minute. That's the, that's the proof. You want your proof? Just look around if you're in Las Vegas. Just stand around and, and, and do a 360 and, and then say, should I go? If you want to just have fun, if that's your idea of fun, hey, more power to you. But, but rationally, it makes no sense. But we are not rational beings. We are not rational animals. But my fear is with this AI that we better get rational quick on this one. We let the internet beast grow on its own and we've seen where it's gotten us this ai thing can be a lot more dangerous in ways that perhaps we don't even know yet but we better not let this one just breed on its own unregulated let's learn from the past as i've said so many times because this thing can actually outthink us at the end of the day. Maybe not in the next 10 years. Maybe not in the next 20 years. Maybe not in the next 50 years. But somewhere down the line, this technology 
may be able to outthink us, and that's when we get in trouble. Up to this point, all the technologies are still programmer-based. You can doubt the motives of the programmers, but they're still in the hands of the programmers and the, and, and, and the, 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 the people in power of the, in charge of those technologies. Still human decisions being made. The wild card on AI is it has the potential. Not right now. We're still in charge of it. But as the technology grows and the artificial intelligence that we empower it with grows, it may ultimately, like a science fiction movie, take control over the person who programmed it. Might be a hundred years from now. Who knows? But that's the fear. We, and then we will be looked at at this time as say they were, they dropped the ball. We've dropped the ball so many times in the last 20 years. Let's not, in the last hundred years, let's not drop this one. Because this one may have real implications. We've been able to harness to some extent, but we still don't know. We still live in the in the nuclear fear, right? We dropped, you know, the the hydrogen bomb in 1945, and we're still living in fear of that technology. Almost 90 years later, oh, 80 years later. Let's not live in fear of this AI thing 80 years from now because this technology has a chance to not only destroy us like a nuclear bomb does, but make the choice to destroy us. And that's the fear. Technology is great when we still control it. AI may be able to take that choice away from us. Let's be smart and let's tackle this thing at its infancy as opposed to trying to bring it in after it's been an adult for years and has its own mind on what it wants to do. Does it sound like a science fiction film? Maybe. Let's keep it at that. A fiction. Not a reality. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, we are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. And it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 367. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. From the end of the web to your screen.